Attention. Attention in detail. Listen up and lead well. You're a VIP, giving you what you need to succeed. Be best you can in your own company. Attention detail one by one, step by step to get the job done. Pops is gonna break it down to you. I ask the questions, get the show started for the attention detail. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attention to Detail with Eric Bird. I am Eric Bird. Jason Bird has the day off. We are so excited to have uh, this is another interview. We try to do interviews on the last Monday of every month, and we've had some really, really great ones. Um, everyone from Doug Curry to Tyler Bish to Paul Carr. And so today's episode is uh, no exception to that. Uh, today we get to talk to Mr. Tamba Giles. Uh, Tamba is an award-winning singer and musician. Uh, he's a native of Houston, Texas. He's a proud graduate of Prairie View A&M. University. Uh, in 2001, he penned the song You Are the Great I Am, which has been performed around the country. Um, he has a very uh, long history in the gospel music uh, arena. He's also a music educator in public school. He's been a music teacher in Pennsylvania, Maryland, lead teacher in Delaware. He's received the Superstars in Education Award. Um, in 2007, um, he was asked by uh, Grammy Award-winning musician Bill Jolly to form a choir to celebrate the accomplishments of Teddy Pendergrass. Um, so he's a choir director. He has been on staff at different churches. Um, he does a he does a lot. I mean, <laughs> he does a lot. I don't, sometimes I, I see his social media and I'm just like, wow, how does he have time to breathe and eat and sleep and all that stuff? But um, he also um, does a tribute to Luther Vandross. Um, in 2018, he received the Best of Baltimore Award by the City Paper as the Best uh, as Best Luther. Um, he does theater performances. He's very much active in uh, church music. Uh, he is in leadership, and so it's my distinct pleasure on this edition of Attention to Detail to give you my interview with the great Tamba Giles, and then we'll close up afterward with uh, some follow-up notes. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be with my friend, Mr. Tamba Giles. Tamba and I have been kind of floating around each other for a long time now. When I was at a church, he was at a, he's at a church, and so he was always uh, kind enough to be a reference point for me and kind of be a person that, you know, I could lean on for resources and best practices and that kind of thing. So I couldn't think of a better person, uh, a better friend to bring on the podcast to just uh, spend about 15 to 20 minutes with my man, Tamba Giles. Tamba, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate the invitation. I really appreciate it, Eric. So it's always good hearing from you and good seeing you. I'm just glad that I, uh, I I got you, man. You always seem so busy, and I always seem like I never want to, like, slow you down. But you always seem so busy, man. You have a million things going on. Uh, yeah, a lot of irons in the fire, but it's all good. It's all for the passion of what I do. So good. all good stuff. So why don't we talk about that passion for a little bit? So why don't you give us a little bit of like where you went to school, how music plays a role in your life, what you're doing professionally, occupationally, that kind of game. Give us the, the Reader's Digest so people know who we Okay, Reader's Digest. Man, oh my goodness. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I am originally from Houston, Texas, and I'm a graduate of Prairie View A&M University, which is about 45 miles northwest of Houston. Um, there I studied... Um, Started off as actually a history major and a music minor. Um, yeah. I switched my third year 
uh, in college, uh, my music um, piano professor said, I really think that you are a, a music major, but you just don't want to, uh, I think you're just nervous. And so, which I was, I was not interested in a program that was, that was a five-year program in the switchover. But anyway, um, so through a stroke of luck, I guess, and I guess divine intervention, I switched from major to music and I uh, graduated with a bachelor's of music degree. Uh, piano was my focus there. Um, was okay, also now let's pause there for a second because that's fascinating to me. Now, so your 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 idea was that you were going to be like a history teacher when you got out of undergrad? Or? I, I actually, no, I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. I wanted to oh. go and defend artists. I, the, the role, I was going to go to go for political science history, then go to law school and uh, uh, hopefully become an entertainment lawyer and using my musical background as uh, as a caveat to kind of engage people and defend people musically. So that was what I thought I was going to do. <laughs> okay, interesting. And so then you ended up switching them to the music major. I switched. Yes. Got the music degree, and then what happened? Um, I, so I actually took a job. Uh, my first teaching job was, in, and during that time I forgot to mention, I've always been playing for churches. I probably... I've been playing for churches since I was about 14, maybe 13 or 14 years old. I mean, as a job job. Sure. Um, and so uh, um, uh, shortly after that, I moved to Chester, Pennsylvania. Um, ended up taking a teaching job, which I thought was Philadelphia. And um, I was like, oh, I'm moving to Philadelphia. And, and I don't think I really did all of my research. Um, and I ended up working in Chester, PA, which is an, an amazing uh, city. It, is a, it was my first teaching experience. It was rough. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, um, I had everything, everything was set for me in Houston. I ended up taking a job at uh, one of the uh, lowest performing school districts in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. But that was my groundwork for being a music teacher. And um, my passion really kicked in when I moved there. So while I was there, um, I was a music teacher. I served as a minister of music at a, at a local church. While I was there, I also became the, um, the uh, music director for the Wilmington Chester Mass Choir. Oh, I wow. served as their I was served as their uh, music director for about four or five years. Um, I worked with them on the, what was the last project? It was called It's Not Over Project. That was in 2000, between 2004, 2008, um, that project, uh, we worked on that project. So a lot of great experiences. And from there, um, I continued traveling. Also worked with a group called Jubilation Choir, which is out of Newark, New Jersey. Uh, they won a Grammy. And I was uh, one of their lead singers on their project. Wow. Um, amazing group, amazing group, uh, traveled abroad with them, traveled to Japan. And during that time also was writing music. Um, in 2001, I got song of the year by the Thomas Dorsey Convention, National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Choruses uh, for a song that I wrote called You Are the Great I Am. And wow. uh, the song traveled more places than I think I've ever been. Uh, it's been recorded about five or six times by various groups from the uh, Potter's House of Denver to uh, a group here in Baltimore, um, Eric Waddell, um, a group in Chicago. Is I've I've heard more recordings of the song than I can name. So oh. um, that time in in uh, Philadelphia was a, a great time. I ended up also ended up teaching uh, later from Pennsylvania to Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I served as a, a fine arts lead teacher for a company called Thomas Edison Charter School. So mm -hmm. always kind of been by like by vocational always. I worked as a minister of music and taught music at the same time. Um, okay. In 2012, 2010, excuse me, no, 2008, I got to go back, 2008, I moved to Maryland, took a full-time position 
at a church that was the New Antioch Baptist Church in Randallstown. I served there for a while, for about two or three years, and went back into the classroom. I think there was a passion for teaching. And I uh, went back into the classroom in 2010, and uh, I've been working in Carroll County Public Schools as a music teacher for the last 10 years. And uh, in addition, I've also served as the worship arts director at the New Psalmist Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland. And that's where we kind of, our conversations really began. Um, I have been there since 2013. Um, okay. I currently just serve as the worship leader, but uh, my, I have a young daughter and I kind of want to be home a little bit more for her. And sure. so uh, I did a little, little bit of a switch. So um, uh, although I don't have the quote unquote title, and we can have a conversation about that later, um, I'm still a worship leader. I'm very involved in the creative process uh, uh, that goes on at New Psalmist. So uh, that's pretty much it. I've done some other things. I've been um, an actor. Uh, at the Arena Players Theater, I've done three plays. Uh, probably the biggest one was about a play about Luther Vandross, yeah. uh, which uh, was in 2016. And we did over 40 shows. Um, they all sold out. Um, wow. The Baltimore City Paper gave me an award as the best Luther, um, which was kind of cool. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I think Luther's an icon, so... Yeah. Um, that was a difficult role to kind of pull off on stage. and not I just miss Luther. Push, I miss but, Luther a lot. I mean, listen, I missed some Luther Vandross. I actually went to his uh, memorial service. Uh, oh, wow. I drove from, drove from Delaware to New York and, uh, and um, paid my respects. So that's a, just interesting how the world turns around and you come back doing yeah. the exact same thing. So um, that's kind of it. Um, I still do things outside of doing church music and teaching music. Um, I've just started launching out, uh, directing a play. I directed my first Christmas uh, play at the Arena Players Theater in 2019 in the uh, winter of uh, 2019 and I think that play will return back uh, depending on what happens with um, the pandemic uh, at the end of this year so a lot of great stuff I've had a lot of great experiences well that's great you have um, um that's a lifetime in the music man that's like a whole you could retire today and write a five volume book man I wish let's see I may have to think about that now as you're talking as you're talking uh, it, it kind of drove me to my first question kind of being like, so as an educator, uh, you have a lot of patience, I would imagine, because you're trying to shape young minds and that kind of thing. And I'm wondering, um, I guess what I wanted to talk to you about was kind of like your church work kind of side, sure. like what kind of do's and don'ts, what kind of, what kind of uh, advice you would give to worship leaders that are just starting out, that are just kind of trying to get, you know, their careers kind of going. I imagine with you, one big, uh, one big attribute for you is that you have a lot of patience because church folk can work your nerves. <laughs> That's what, that was a nice way of, of landing the plane to say the church folk can get on your nerves, right? But oh, you have a lot most, of patience. Most definitely. Oh man, listen, it's, uh, it has been a journey. Um, uh, I've had some ups and some downs. I've had moments that uh, I've had tears in my eyes. I've had moments uh, where I've been elated about what's going on, but um, that kind of comes with it. Um, you have to realize that uh, even in church work, you're dealing with people. And just like um, in a school setting, children come with, they're like, they say kindergarten is like a different kind of garden. It's several kind of flowers. You don't know what, you see the seeds, you have no idea what they're going to grow into um, until later on. Same thing in church work. So, um, 
you know, one of the things I've told people, I never saw it as a, um, as a career. It was always a passion. Okay. I, I love people. I, I, I love what I do in ministry. Um, I would think um, now this is, it'll be, I just passed up 25 years doing music ministry, not till, um, must've been last year, I think it was marked 25 years. And something I would say is something my mother always told me. She would say, son, be faithful over a few things and God will make you rulers over many. Mm. And that's something that has stuck with me. A second phrase she always said was little, little becomes much when you put it in, in the master's hand. And those two um, uh, thoughts and scriptures and ideologies have stayed with me. Um, I, my first choir when I was 13 years old was five singers who could not sing. Mm. They uh, two out of the five could sing. Uh, and I worked and worked with them and, and, um, I was typing letters as a teenager, typing letters to the to the parents on a typewriter. I would sit out saying, I invite your child to um, to choir rehearsal. And I worked that thing out every Saturday. I was consistent. I asked the pastor, to, could he get a van and could we go around the, to the local apartment complexes and see if we could right. recruit people. And they came out. Uh, by the time I left that church when I was in high school, it had grown from five members to about 50 choir members. There wow. were more choir members than were, than were in the church. Wow. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of those teenagers um, joined Christ. They got saved. They mm. got a relationship with God through that experience of just Saturdays. And I was the same age. So I was kind of like acting as the older brother. Although most of them were my same age, you know, they, yeah. they were the same age as me, but um, it was a great experience from that. Um, I learned uh, the power of, you can be talented, be a musician and you can play well. It's not just that. You have to have a relationship with the people. Always tell, um, tell younger musicians, I was like, your choir is your ally. Let them, mm. let them speak for you. So if you're having issues or things you know, in management or mid-management mid or upper management, and I won't say going to depth what that means, you can figure out church world what that means, but um, that you know, your choir is your ally because they see the work. They see the behind the scenes moment. So I've kind of always rallied around my choir been patient with them, taught them, you know, you, you may not be the best singer, but we'll keep working it out. Um, as a musician, I've changed the keys of songs. I've rearranged stuff that when the choir sounds good or when they, or when they present well, it's a reflection of you. It's a reflection of what you put into it. And that's something that I, I constantly tell people, know your choir, know your voices, know their limitations. Uh, if you, you know, don't pick, you know, I, I'll start with that one know their limitations and what they're, what they're successful in. I would normally start with songs that were relatively easy, uh, that they were comfortable with, that made them look good. And I would then infuse more difficult um, repertoire on that. Another thing is that I would say um, uh, with that is um, outside of rep the repertoire um, and outside of allies, um, uh, knowing your choir, you know, knowing their voice parts, know their limitations, what, what they're good at, and then uh, and infuse things when you're doing song choices. That's always a challenge. Yeah. Everybody has a song that's on their heart. Brother Giles, can, I, I felt this song, and I've had many t thoughts in my head want to say, listen, I'm not a jukebox. You cannot put 25 cents in me. Now right. I'm going to start playing your favorite song. Go right. to the radio, download it. Um, but, you know, when you're doing songs for work for a a corporate setting, you want music that can speak to everybody at one time. And sometimes it's not necessarily the song that's your favorite song. I cannot explain how many mistakes I've made where I picked a song because I was going through something. 
and it wasn't necessarily a reflection of where everybody else was. Wow. And I was, I was kind of beaming that out on the choir. So I'm going through this week. So we're going to sing, I'm going through. And everybody else is living, living, in, living, living their blessed life. But because I got stuff going on, then that, I would filter that into the choir. And so I've seen that uh, fall apart um, uh, 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 at times. And so that was something I kind of learned uh, through the years. It's like, okay, let's, let me figure out. It may be a song that I didn't like that actually ministered to the congregation. So or I didn't like, it wasn't my first choice. Sure. Um, so with that, I've learned to kind of know the heartbeat, um, um, know the heartbeat of the congregation. More importantly, knowing the heartbeat of your pastor. Um, a lot of times you don't care to deal with that because there's always this uh, dichotomy of pastors and musicians, but knowing the heart of the pastor, catching and following his vision. Um, and I've seen that as a successful thing for me. Every church I've ever worked at, I have practiced uh, the art of, not the art, the heart of knowing the pastor's heart. Okay. Um, sometimes I, and sometimes they may not know exactly what they want. So that's why I ask God for guidance. Give me an ability to connect that synergy that no, you can't, that's something that can be studied. A book won't give you tips on that. That's just comes with experience. And really, I think prayers, knowing like, how can I connect? And um, I've seen that so many times before I went to services that are more theme-based. I can't tell you the number of times, Eric, that I would, um, I would present something to the choir and the pastor would say, man, I'm preaching the exact same thing. You were right on target. Right. Well, that comes from having listening in, knowing that person's moves, how they operate. It's like on a basketball team. You know, if, 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 if you know, you think of Michael Jordan, you think of um, uh, that squad, you know, they knew each other. They knew the certain yeah. moves they were going to make. And I think that needs to happen in ministry. So I encourage any musician, you know, despite sometimes you have to go through the ugly phases, you don't always agree, but knowing what that is. And so when you move, it's in synchronicity. People laugh now when I'm at church and they say, you know, you and your pastor, you all just get up there and get to singing and crooning and, and, and they think we've rehearsed this. No, we haven't, but we've built a relationship and I don't talk to him every day of the week. It may just be in the moment, but we can, we've got a relationship that we can gel, feed, yes. feeding off each other. So, um, and that takes time. That takes being vulnerable. Um, and vulnerable is kind of maybe literally just, you know, stripping a little bit of yourself in a, in a situation. So, um, I know I've said a lot, um, but no, that's good just, that's good I mean, I, and I think about that um, when it comes to, and also know what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, I'm a musician who plays and sings, but that doesn't necessarily mean I play everything well or that I sing everything well. So I have to figure out who within my tribe, my choir, my group has a strength that that can help me. So if my gift is not administration, mm -hmm. and I'm just saying that figuratively, so if, I, if I'm listening to my strength, I'm going to find somebody who's a great organizer. They're yeah. going to help organize my thoughts. I can, and, and that really is the case even for me sometimes. I'm a ultra creative. So these thoughts are popping out of my head, but I need a way to explain that somebody can put it in, put in writing what I'm trying to say and convey what I'm looking for. So, you know, that may be a strength. If it's a vocal teaching, you know, we, come out the box of thinking that we have to teach everything. If you're the minister of music or whatever the titles be, you know, doesn't mean you have to teach everything. You can say, listen, so uh, Maria's going to teach the song. You've already, you've done your pre-work, you've done the parts, vocal parts, and everything is set up. And you're also empowering the people because when you empower them, then, you know, it just, it's, for me, it's the teacher side of me. If I'm, 
if I've walked through something with my students, if I'm absent, they know what to do when I'm not there. Like, oh, Mr. Giles does this in the class. This is our opening song. He normally grabs uh, the book from this side. So mm -hmm. I think that's the organizational side. And I think sometimes as uh, musicians, we, we depend so much on our talent and we're used to being appraised for our talent. We forget about the organizational leadership part of it. Right. what we do which that's a you know and that's something i had to learn i was the same way i just wanted to play and sing but now i had to realize i have to manage people how do i manage people well, i don't know how to manage people let me find a book um one of the best books that uh, helped me was uh um things they didn't tell me about being a minister of music i don't know the author's name but it's again things they didn't tell me about being a minister of music and what i love about the book is the writer is humorous he talks about you're a counselor you're a comedian you're a therapist, yeah. you're the organist, you're the director. And, and you know, I, I didn't read that book until I was later on in ministry. I wish I, I, wish I had read it when I was 21. Mm -hmm. I didn't read it until I was 33, you know. Right. Um, and, but it's, it, it was something that, was, it, that literally changed my life. But knowing that, um, finding people who have strengths that are different from yours and using that to your advantage, that creates a great chemistry within your music ministry overall. Um, knowing how to communicate. If you don't know how to communicate, find you a book, how to get a point across. My mother gave me a book years ago, how to get your point across in 30 seconds or less. I hated when she told me about the books. I was like, oh, what are you trying to say, mom? But it made sense because <laughs> I had to learn how to communicate. I'm, I'm a long-winded talker, man. I can, listen, I can talk for an hour. So, right. um, so I say, okay, how do I get my point across in a short amount of time? I'm still practicing even during this podcast. Uh -huh. But... Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's you know, his holy name. <laughs> so all of those all of those pieces uh work to your advantage. And um I was sitting there thinking too when you were when I was kind of just kind of discussing my whole life and experiences. Um yeah, knowing your strengths and weaknesses is so crucial and being vulnerable even with yourself. If that's not your gift, like what I'll be honest, I always have a struggle with trying to find leads for a song. I struggle with that. And people say, well, you know, you have this big church. I struggle with that. Because sometimes I will hear somebody and I'm like, I hear two good people. But then I'm like, Lord, who's going to, who do I think can best carry the message right. maybe for this week? It may not be every week, but this week they can really carry it through. I struggle. I, I will hem and haw. I will, do, I will teach a song and the choir parts are great. And then I'm struggling like, who's leading this song? Right, and sometimes you got people who they mean well. Lord, that's not their ministry to lead that song. I had somebody fall out with me years ago, um, and didn't tell me until later um, that they were upset with me about I didn't choose them for a song. And I, I said, "Well, you didn't ask me why I didn't choose you." And then I had to be very honest and say, "I don't think that was the song that you would minister best in." All the person loved the song; they felt it. They they felt the lyrics of the song, mm -hmm. but the delivery just, and that was hard for me to say that. I was like, you know, yeah. not it, right now. That doesn't mean you couldn't. It's just, I had to pick somebody else that, that could literally like murder the song, you know, right. with quotes around that murder, but, you know, and work it and, and right. go from there. So, um, you know, all of those are, I think are tools for any um, minister music. And even now in this, during this pandemic, I'm telling musicians now the titles, like I'm, I'm not a title person, you know, Eric, you know, we, we you, you know, sure. you and I, you know, had these experiences. You, you know, you gone from the my grandma called me the piano player. Uh, then it was the uh, choir director and piano player. Then right. it was minister of music. Then it was one time I had a position. They called me the 
director of magnification arts. Oh, I still oh that's right. Child, that's a I good mean, job right just, there. That's... Oh, I mean, it was the Holy Hills uh, title. I'm like, what is that? Worship uh, arts pastor. All of these titles. At the end of the day, when you deduce all of that is, it is your ability to relate to people in an artistic way. That's why I basically define my position. I'm a person who is the liaison for all things in the arts of our church. And so that's, that's what, it, what it means. And you have to figure out how, how to talk to people, be an organizer, you know, uh, rally people around something. I, you know, I've had situations where, you know, pastors called out a song and we all looking like, now, where did he pick this song from? And we know, but thing is at the end of the day, I put on, you know, put on my big boy hat and say, listen, we got to get this done. Obviously, there's something that, you know, that the pastor feels that needs to be brought out through this message. And I, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've taught stuff that I was like, I was like biting my lip, like, mm, really? You know, so, but it, it came out, you know. But being obedient, being obedient to yeah, those being obedient. in leadership, and, yeah. And, 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 and that submission part is tough because sometimes we want to, sometimes we, sometimes you may be right. I've told people, yeah, you probably were right. But give it time, give mm. it time, you know, and sometimes people may, you know, sometimes our pastors or, or those who are in leadership above us, they may not hear what we're saying in that moment because they've got their own set of stuff going on. Sure. So sometimes it's good just to come back and repeat it again, um, get, put a different framework around it, find a different way to kind of um, bring up that idea. I had a situation where I wanted to expand the band and, and it was, you know, it was financial issues and I kind of had to say, like, well, look at this. If this happens, and it took a while, but it, it change did come in the songs of uh, the words of Sam Cooke. A change did come. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you but, know, all of those are parts. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, that no, that's good. Last thing, last thing I wanted to ask you. Um, how how has the game changed the 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 let's just call it uh, music church work. How has it changed from when you first got in the game to how it is now? How has it gotten better, worse? Is it just different? Are there are there different balls you have to juggle now that ten years ago you were going, wow, I just never, you know, young people are different now. It, it, it they are different, and um, and I think everything is changing, and even in the midst of this pandemic everything is changing. Right now, I, I, the conversation I had, Eric, recently was I told a uh, minister of music, I said, your role has now changed. You have to learn how to do audio design. You have to be a mm. producer. I mean, and I, I'll give a prime example. You know, right now, we're not in a building. We're doing everything virtually. Yes. I have to learn how to use GarageBand, how to make tracks, how to um, lay voices yep. in, a, in, in a digital environment. Yep. Totally out of my element, man. Totally out of my element. But I realize that's what's needed for this this next generation. You know, they, the statistics say that Gen Z, which would be, I think, children that are under the age of 13, um, okay. that group and the millennials, they are more um, visually stimulated. So they're more, I'm that, they're more multisensory. You think about a gaming, if your kids are playing Xbox, it's multisensory. You've got the glasses, that everything is virtual reality. So that's what's happening even in our ministry. So, you know, lighting is important. Um, you know, what the choir, vocally, how they sound, is it strong? Is it is it tight? Is it right? You know, we may not like it. You know, back in the day, you could get by with, you know, maybe a few bad notes and 
nobody, everybody would say, sing on anyhow. True. But now we're, we're, in a, we're in a group that we're competing with Disney. And in, in Disney and any other large entity, everything is perfect. That's exactly and right. So, and so now we have to compete. We have to compete with that. But the thing is, it's not really a competition because when you think about it, you know, we know that God does all things well. We know that the arts came from God. You know, he designed everything perfectly. You look at the rainbow, look at the sun, the moon, the stars, the instruments, the sound, everything was done perfectly. But now we're having to flip the script and not chase after what um, what the world, I said in quotations, is doing. And we have to just be, go back to the basics. And so mm-hmm. what that is, is doing it well. I mean, and, and man, I think about jobs. My job now is more, I'm in the producer mode now. I'm like, I never thought I'd have to, like, who ever thought about having to, pre-tracked out service, learn what Ableton is, Pro Tools. And I'm still kind of, for me, at my age, I'm still behind, but the group that's behind me, I, I was just talking earlier today, I know a young man who travels and he travels with an artist and I'm like, well, what do you do when you're not at your church? He was like, I pre-track everything. Everything is pre-tracked, Every, the choir's music, everything. He's done the voices and the other musician who's there is, all they gotta do is simply press play. And it sounds like the musician is still there because he's played his his part in the music. Wow. And so in his absence, everything is still flowing flawlessly. I mean, without, you know, of course, the other musician is catching some of the stuff in between, but maybe the main yeah. choir, the choir music or the main praise and worship stuff is is tight and it's right. Wow. And this is somebody who is 15 years younger than me. And so I'm having to look like, oh, I got to get on top of it because you know, which I don't mind about replacing what I do, but it, it pushed me to say, wow, this is the next group that's behind us. And they're wow. much more tech savvy. They, yep. They're doing stuff. I mean, with stems, you know, that's the big conversation yeah. now. And, yeah. and I, you know, I was, I was anti stems and I want no, no music, fake, fake singers and fake stuff in the background. But right. now I realize, yeah, well, I, you know, our stuff is on, on, it's on camera. Everything's visual. You're on YouTube, Facebook, whatever it is. And people are listening for uh, like a clear sound. The sound, and, that's, that's right. And so, and the thing you think about it, I mean, why would we expect anything less? If I'm going to see Beyonce, if I'm going to see any of my favorite yeah. artists, whatever they do, it's it's flawless. So the same thing can happen in ministry, but we've got to prepare and pre-plan it. So that's the my last my last takeaway. I know we got to go. My last thing is prepare ahead of time. Quit coming to choir rehearsal with no plans for choir rehearsal, and you think God's going to give it to you on Thursday night when you walk in. It doesn't happen like that. Plan mm-hmm. ahead. You know, you can, you can plan out two or three months. God will still give you inspiration and what you need to do, but have a plan. The scripture simply says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, if you don't have a plan, well, then how can you expect to succeed? Right. So it means you planned it out. That means I'm going to teach this song from this artist. I know it's difficult. Let me start the hard part first, or let me start on the chorus first because it's easy, and then go back into the verses and explain right. how we're doing it. But that's pre-planning. One thing I think I've learned as being an educator is, you know, kids will eat you alive in the classroom <laughs> if you are not prepared. Let if me walk you have in dead space, that's right. Let me walk in with no plans. They are going to wear me out. So yep. I've now learned to say, hey, you know what, do, I do the exact same thing in ministry. I prepare in advance. Right now, it's the middle of the summer. I'm already thinking about what needs to happen in the fall, whether it's COVID-19 or mm. not. These are some ideas. Whether they come to, re- come to fruition or not, I don't really know, but at least the plan is there. It's a thought, you know, yeah. so. 
Wow, that's great. Tamba Giles, ladies and gentlemen. We we might have to do like a monthly kind of thing. But you should have a podcast of yourself, man. You have so much information. Listen, you know, I, I have not, that's something I have not delved into. I've thought about it. I'm, and I listen to thousands of pod, podcasts throughout the year. So uh, I'm just, I'm honored to that you thought of me to, to be a part. I'm just a, uh, a real laid back guy. I don't make a lot of noise. I don't, you don't, won't see my name and lights in a lot of places. I just do what I do and, and for the glory of God and just and keep going. Tamba Giles, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be back uh, after this with a few closing thoughts. Thank you, Tamba. You know, that conversation was so robust with so much information. It was so good to talk to Tamba that, you know, I tried to keep the co- the, the podcast to about 20 to 25 minutes, but that was just so good that I just let it go on, man. It was just so good. Plus, he's so busy. I don't know when I <laughs> I don't know when I might be able to get him again. So let me just give you the uh, closing information. Thank you for listening to Attention to Detail. We'll be uploading new podcasts each and every week, usually on Mondays. You should be able to find us wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, we, I think, are going to be on Amazon. Uh, by the time this comes out, we very well may be on Amazon Podcasts uh, very shortly. But write a review and like us. You can also follow our sponsor, VIP Consulting, at ericbird.com. If you go to ericbird.com and sign up for a free gift, by the way, that's E-R-I-C-B-Y-R-D.com. Uh, you can sign up for a free gift. That's just our way of saying thank you for supporting VIP Consulting and the podcast. Show notes can be found at ericbird.com slash blog, where you can also follow the show on the VIP Consulting Twitter and Facebook pages. So thank you again for listening. Uh, please keep listening. Subscribe. Do whatever you can to support the podcast. Uh, we're going to do our best to try to give you fresh leadership content as much as we possibly can so thank you for listening we'll see you very soon thank you for listening to attention to detail with eric bird moving your brand forward as artists leaders and influencers i am not jason bird until next time attention attention Attention. 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 Attention.